Let's open our Bibles to the book of Jude. Uh, I wanted to say those of you that, that uh, know Anthony, how many of you know Anthony? Some of you know him. And, uh, you know, he's been working uh, for, well, they've been living in Israel about 17 years, something like that. So he's been working on this PhD for the last, like, six years. You're supposed to do it in four. But he keeps, you know, it, it, it Anyways, he's at he's at the final wire now. He, uh, Wednesday is like the deadline. <laughs> it's like the real deadline. Although he told me the other day, well, maybe I can get a couple more weeks. I said, no, done. <laughs> Just get it done. So, so it's kind of exciting. It's probably kind of scary for him too because he's got to you know turn all this in, and then you know then they judge you and do all that stuff. But. Uh, this is really kind of it. So, you know, what happens after that? Uh, probably in July, they'll head back to the States. It's kind of the way it's looking at the moment. But that could all change, too. So, but I thought that you would like to know that it's kind of exciting, kind of, uh, kind of new. So, um, let me get myself situated here. Can you turn that on for me, somebody back there? It's the button on the far left. Uh, Rockstar Preachers, you remember that? We talked about that last week. We talked about you know, some of the stuff that's going on in our world and in the, in the church today. And Jude, just like his big brother, he was railing on the false teachers. And he, he, he said what he had to say. He railed on their motives. He, read, he railed on their attitudes and the danger for us in the church. And, and these... These people that he was talking about, they lived immoral lives, but yet they were, you know, standing up as teachers. They considered themselves like the authority. They had this this thing where they were the authority. They think they knew it all, and they promised all these things that they could not deliver. But the the motivation was, in most cases, was greed, a very kind of self-centered, a very selfish. They would feed themselves and not feed the flock. But Jude, uh, Jude tells us, as well as, the, as all the Bible tells us, really, is that they will reap what they will sow. And that's a that's a spiritual principle principle that is true for all of uh, creation, really, for all of humanity. It's that we will reap what we sow. Uh, it, it says in the in the New Testament, you know, don't God isn't mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. So they're going to face judgment for that, especially, you know, professing to speak for God. <clears throat> a very scary thing. But the question that I, <clears throat> that, I, uh, that I ask is, why do we get sucked into these false teachings? Why, why do people follow after and, and they flock after them? It's not just a few, but, you know, the, some of the biggest churches in the world are, are being taught by false teachers. And, and why do we kind of get sucked into that? That's a kind of a question I think you know, we have to we have to deal with. Uh, Casting Crowns, they, they wrote a song, and uh, I like the first verse. It says, "It says we want our coffee in the lobby. We we watch our worship on the screen. We got a rock star preacher, 
who won't wake us from our dreams. We want our blessings in our pockets. We keep our missions overseas, but for the hurting in our cities, would we even cross the street? This is why. Because we're, we're human, we're sinful, we're selfish people, and we, we just want stuff for us. And, and, and but, but Jude's saying, hey, that's not the way to go. We're going to look today, uh, verses 17 through 21, the part one I'm going to call it here, uh, kind of in contrast, because, because he says, you're beloved. You beloved. But you, as opposed to the ones he was just been railing on for a whole bunch of time. Let's play a video. i got a video for you to play, though. Let's go ahead and play that for us now. Uh, crank up the volume. And... This one's called Beloved.
think that's what Judah's trying to say here? This next section here is that, that you are beloved. You know, after all the descriptions and all the warnings of the false teachers, he says, but you are beloved. For you, it's a different story. And, and you know, it's kind of heavy stuff. He's just full of this stuff he's talking about here. We've been looking at it for the last few weeks. But then he, then he gets to you and he says, but you, it's a different story for you. But you are beloved. Let's read the verses 17 through 21. He says, but, in the, in the language, the original language, it says, but you, beloved, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural inst instincts and who do not have the spirit. But you, beloved, Build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love and the love of God as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. The positive exhortation of this letter, this whole letter, really is found in verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. It's, it's the main imperative of, of the whole chapter, of the whole book, of the whole uh, this, this message that Jude has to bring. It says, keep yourselves in the love of God. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit. There's a few other things we're going to kind of bring into that, and we're going to talk about it again next week. It's like, what does that mean, and how do we do that? But... But the word keep, the word keep means this, to attend to carefully, to take care of, to guard, to keep oneself in. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves. Seems to me when he says that to them, and I think the word of God in application to ourselves is that we have something to do with that. We have... We have some responsibility. We have some part to play in all that. It's not just, uh, you know, it's all going to be done for us. What, what's our part in all that? In these verses and these verbs that he's talking about here, uh, we'll see today and next week as well. But he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. And where do we find the love of God in its purest form? Jesus on the cross and the love that he had for us. That's where we find this love. Keep yourselves in Jesus. We saw one of the things that these false teachers were doing. They were twisting the grace of God. And they were rebelling against the authority of Jesus as Lord and as Savior. So they, they got away from what, what God you know, had, had poured out upon the church. God's love found in Jesus, the grace of God, this unmerited favor. We had great messages about it from Chris and Justin. The Lord Jesus, Jesus is Lord. He is God come and here to the earth, made flesh, and dwelt among us. Keep yourself in the love of God. Now, I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 8. Because let's think about this idea that he, that he says. Romans chapter 8. 
talks about this, the love of God. In verses 35 through 39, Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of God. And, and Paul says here in Romans, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, in all these things, in all the difficult and painful and trials and troubles of life, he says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, so we see that nothing can separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus, right? That's It's constant. It, it, but yet Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of God. So, so thinking about this, his love is constant. It never changes. We can't get away from it. But, but, but yet, what can happen to you and I? It's like the thing, well, who moved? Did he move or did you move? Did we move or did he move? When things start to you know, unravel our, our relationship with him. Now, David Guzik points out a good point about this. Uh, idea of keeping ourselves in the love of God. He says it, it's not that we make ourselves lovable to God, but we keep ourselves in harmony with His ever-present love. We, we need to flow with Him, not Him flowing with us. We need to flow in that love that He has. He says we can deny ourselves the benefit of God's love. Example being the prodigal son. We're going to talk about him of the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. In other words, be, be occupied with it. Think about it. What is it that he's trying to say? What is this love that, that he has for you and for me? I think there's a spiritual battle going on as well in, in this. Have you ever heard the enemy say to you, how could God ever love you? Have you ever heard that? You know, I think I think there, there are like extremes. I was thinking about this, you know, this morning. I, I think there are, are extremes in this in the sight of the love. Keep yourselves in the love of God, he says. And 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 the one extreme is this idea where you know I know why God loves me. And it's this place of pride, right? It's like I mean there's no I mean, is there a question that God would love me? You know, it's like, of course He would love me. I mean, look at me. I mean, I'm just, I'm so lovable. I'm so good looking. And, and I was watching that video. I'm thinking, those guys have so much hair. What's up with that? God, God must really love that guy because he's got so much hair. 
But that's one extreme. You're like, you know, I'm just so good looking. I'm just so everything good about me. I'm so smart. I'm so spiritual. But that's, I think, where these false teachers fell into. I'm just like, wow. But the other other extreme is, is kind of like this. Why, why or how could God love me? I think... I think we kind of like, we fluctuate, we, we go between the different things, you know, we'll start to get pro proud and, and then, you know, we'll start to feel condemned at a different time, depending on the situation, what's going on in our lives and that. I read in Romans chapter 12, it says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment. And it's interesting, when you look at the words there, Whereas don't think of yourself more highly. And the, and the word is hyper. Don't hyper think of yourself more highly. Don't, don't think of yourself like in this hyper fashion. And it really is just kind of a self-consumption thing. Don't do that, but, but have sober judgment, he said. Who is it that you are? Keep yourselves in the love God. His love is constant. Is it based on you? The grace message that we heard, is it based on how you perform and how good you are? And how incredible you, you know, can do this or that? It's not based on any of those things, is it? He just loves you. He just loves me. Now, my wife loves me, I think. But I can ignore that. I can ignore her. I can take advantage of that love, or I can appreciate it, and I can kind of go with it and walk in it and enjoy it. And then I can love her in return, right? And I think I've done all of these, by the way. But it's kind of like that. Now, you know, our human illustrations, they break down, of course, and, and they don't go the whole way, but... but it's the same. God loves you. He, and, and you can ignore that. You can just do your own thing and, and take advantage of it. And these false teachers were doing that. Or you can like appreciate it and, and walk in it and, and kind of just enjoy it. And, and then love Him in return because of how much He loves you. I think we don't really know and understand how much He really loves us. The Bible says it over and over. This is grace. It's, it's so much in this grace, this favor that He just pours out upon you, upon me. John, the apostle of love, he said this in First uh, John four, verse sixteen. He said this. He said, "We know and we rely on the love that God has for us. God is love." Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Notice the, the, the three things he says in this verse here that we know the love God has for us. We rely on the love God has for us and we live in the love that God has for us. That's kind of all-consuming, isn't it? I, I think we get stuck at point number one. We don't really know how much he loves us. I know I don't. Just thinking about this and, and, and preparing this message, I've got to talk about 
you know, keeping ourselves in the love of God, well, where, where do I fit in? What about me? Do I really know how much He loves me? Do I even think about it? Do I take any time? Or I'm so busy, you know, taking care of my business and doing this and doing that. Going here and going there. He loves me. Do I really know that? Do you really know that? Jude says, keep yourselves in that love, in the love of God. John says, rely on it. Trust it, another version says, to trust that love that He has for you and for me. And then he says to live it, to live in that love. You know, I've met a few people in my life that just exuded that love. I wish I could be like that. There are people like, you know, that you meet that, that just, there's just love that just pours out of them. There was a gal, uh, I haven't talked about her for years, but uh, her name was Mrs. Crabtree. And she was a neighbor in the neighborhood I grew up in. And, uh, but that woman, there was love just poured out of her. And, and you know, we, we, we'd go over there sometimes and, and uh, just a solid Christian uh, family and, and uh, but later on, she, you know, we became, I became a believer and, and connected with her. And she said, you know what? We pray for you and your family every day. And there was just this love there. And then when we went out to serve the Lord, she was praying for us. It was like one of these people that have the, that have, you know, they're, they're holding us up. And she passed away and it was like we felt like the loss. That woman was a woman of love. She lived it. I want to be like that. But it doesn't happen automatically. I'm just going to take the love pill. Done. Again, there's some kind of responsibility that you and I have of how, you know, how we relate with God and we and we think about him and we we get into the Word, which is the, the next verse is going to talk about this. But one thing that John also said, actually that Jesus said in the Gospel of John in chapter 15, that it, it also includes obedience. To live in love includes obedience. He said in John 15, he said, As the Father loved me, also... I also have loved you. I did move that over, but it's still chopping it off. You have to make it smaller. He said, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, if you obey me, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So there's this obedience part. It's not, it's not so that He will love us, but it, it, it's not to earn His love or anything, because His love, again, is, it, is never ending. It's, you can't be separated from Him. From it. But, but to obey and to do what He says, to be obedient to Him, that's where we live in this love. That's where we abide in it, one version says. We remain 
in that love. Just like Jesus did. I think it's clear in the New Testament that, you know, our what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives is to make us more like Jesus. Make us more like Him. Look, look again at verse 17. We're going to look at these verses quickly. He says, But you, beloved, again, you're different. There's something different. There's something uh, in contrast between you and the people that He's been talking about. He says, But you, beloved, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. He points them back to who? To the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now, I think I think what Jude is saying here is that he, he's telling them to get back to the scriptures. To get back to the inspired word of God. Because, because they, these, these false apostles, these false teachers were, were teaching stuff that they made up out of their own heads. I mentioned this a, a few weeks back here, you know, in, in the context of the, this letter that you wrote, uh, you know, what we have today called the New Apostolic Reformation, NAR. You can read about it, you can go look at it. The New Apostolic Reformation. Just the title alone is scary, in my mind. One, because they, they say, we've got something new. They're calling themselves apostles. And they're using that term Reformation, which, you know, like we got a brand new thing. Like when you think of what the real Reformation is and you, you need to know what church history is, you know, Martin Luther and guys like him and the, the, the Reformation was when they, you know, they got, a, they got back to the Bible. They got into the Word of God and they translated the Bible so that people could read it for themselves. And for these, for these men and women, you know, to say that, you know, we are the new apostles, and we've got new revelation, we've got a new reformation for you, get as far away from it as you can. Jude is saying, go back to those true apostles, to the foundation. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, how shall we neglect if we neglect? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was, and was confirmed by us, confirmed to us by those who heard Him. Those who were there, the apostles who were there, that, that wrote these things down for you and for me. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, that God's family, the household of God, is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. It's scary to me to think that this whole new thing, you know, that they would, that they would call themselves apostles in that same sort of idea where we're going to build upon them. That's scary. Again, run away from that as far as you can and, and read about it. You can read about this and, and do a simple search and it'll come up. And you'll find some of the stuff that's been that's being talked about. But I think this favorite verse of mine, Acts 2.42, one of the foundational verses for our church is they devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, 
the apostles teaching fellowship the breaking of bread and prayer that's the, the simple basics you know when you when you study a sport you learn the basics and, and if you have a good coach the coach will always keep teaching you the basics the coach will always bring you back to the basics you can't say well i know all that already now you're going to get to the finer points and get to the get to the the real stuff if, if you play football or any kind of sport, they're going to they're gonna have you exercising. They're going to have you doing those basic things. Jude said, you know, remember. Remember what the apostles foretold. Remember what the apostles said. Remember what the, the Word of God says, those inspired teachings that God gave to us through these apostles. Verse 18, he said, they said to you, the apostles, the the true apostles, he says, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. Paul said to the Ephesian elders, he says, after I leave savage wolves, these wolves in sheep's clothing, they'll come in among you, they will not spare the flock, they will... They will arise even from your own number and they will distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. In order to draw away disciples after them. Why? Because they want people following them. Their point is not for you to follow Jesus, it's for you to follow them. And I think, I think as Jude says, that in the last time it's, it's getting worse. It's, it is getting worse. Some people use the term apostasy for the church, that the church is, is going away, apostatizing, going away from the true faith, the, the faith that was once and for all delivered into the, to the saints. Jude talks about us contending for that faith. Paul said in 1 Timothy, the Spirit clearly says, in later times that some will abandon the faith, and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. I think that's what we see. I think that's what, what it is. They have no conscience there. Their consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Jude says they, they don't even have the spirit. They do not even have the Spirit of God. It says in Romans chapter 8 that if you don't have the Spirit of God, guess what? You don't even have Christ. Keep yourselves alive. God, get back to the Word of God. What is saying? One more passage I want you to turn with. You need to is Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. You know, I think about this sometimes. I, you know, it's, it's hard to find all these passages quickly in the Bible, but you know what? You need to be able to find I don't mind putting verses up on the screen, but I also want you to be able to find the scriptures for yourself in your own Bible. Or, if you want to use your phone, that's okay too. But I want you to be able to find it, and I want you to see it for yourself. This is important, people. You know, the church that, that, that 
you go to and nobody ever brings their Bibles, that's, that's not a place I want to go to. We have Bibles in the back if you forget yours, if you don't have one, if you want to be able to turn to it. We have them on the back for you. But we, it's so important. That's why I, I, you know, I try to balance that between putting it on the screen so you can just read it. You don't have to you know, bother trying to find it. But also having you look for the scriptures here. I hope each one of you has your own Bible some way to get the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. This is a prayer that Paul prayed. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. That's, that's the first step, that you, that you would have Christ living in you through faith, through trusting in Jesus Christ. You've asked Him into your heart and life. You're, you, you, you have God's Spirit living within you, the Spirit of Jesus living within your very heart. But He doesn't stop there. He says, and I, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, or grounded in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's what Jews talking about, isn't it? Keep yourselves in the love of God. Paul says, I pray that you would have the power, the power from God to, to grasp this love, this incredible love. It's so, you know, so wide, so long, so high, so deep. To grasp it and to know it. I think that's a good prayer for you and I to pray for ourselves. Lord, I want to grasp that love. I want to know that love. And then he says that you will be filled. Are we ever going to know the, the complete fullness of the love of God? Of course not. He says here that this is a love that surpasses knowledge. But you can know it to some degree. And he wants you and I to know it to some degree. I love verse 20 there. Ephesians chapter 3 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is, work, that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. That's a, that's a promise. But what's the context? The context is to know the love of Christ yourselves in the love of God, Jude says. Paul says, I, I pray that you would just grasp it and know it and be filled with it. Keep yourselves in the love of God. I don't know how it goes, but there was a, an old hymn that said, to keep 
pastor, the pastor that was preaching in the church where I got saved and went there for many years. Uh, I remember him giving his testimony where he said that when he received Christ, he says it felt like uh, just, uh, it was just like a, a shower of liquid love that just drenched him. He's got an incredible testimony. He was so, you know, whacked out on, on drugs and that he felt like at one point he had this bad, bad you know, experience. He felt like half his head was missing, half of his brain had been blown off. Of course it wasn't, but he thought that for a long time. But God did an incredible thing that it was the love of God that changed. It was the love of God that got through. Pure liquid love. Not just when you say it's a Let's sing, shall we? Let's sing.